Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. From the studios of WBNS in Columbus, this is the Nerd Association Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. And I'm your other host, Mark Finch. Daniel, what do you think of when I say Trolls World Tour? Uh, well, I think about uh, the dolls with the long stringy hair that stick straight up. Mm-hmm. Those and are the correct trolls. Correct. And I actually, I think about uh, a podcast that I listened to called My Brother and My, My Brother and Me, where the three brothers uh, tried and were successful in uh, using social media to get in the cast. <laughs> um, well, that works. Yeah, but that's honestly. Is that in the first movie or the new movie? It's in the new movie. And, and to okay. give them a little bit of a plug, they had a podcast called The McElroy Brothers Will Be in Trolls too, and it worked. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway. Well, that's. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, with Trolls World Tour, yeah. the, the biggest thing about it is not so much that it's a memorable movie. It's a sequel to a Trolls movie that came out a few years ago that had a big Justin Timberlake song in it. Right. And children really like it because it's colorful and it's got music. But the movie itself isn't really what's important. What's important is the time it was supposed to come out. So it was scheduled to come out on April 10th this year. Yeah. And as we know, a lot of things got shut down, including movie theaters right before that or right around that time. Right. So a lot of movies got pushed back. We've seen the James Bond movie get pushed back, whichever Fast and Furious number we're on that got pushed back. 33? And so on and so forth. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, so to make up for that, instead, Universal said, we're not going to push back Trolls World Tour because what's the point? So they just put it on video on demand streaming on the same day. It was supposed to hit theaters on April 10th. So it was available for 1999. That's the normal like rental arrangement. So you got 30 days to stream it 48 hours to watch it. Once you start it, Mm -hmm. I've rented movies on Amazon, but that's like after they've been in the theaters and they're less than 1999, but that's kind of the, the same agreement you get in with those movies and it works. So why not try it for a brand new movie? Sure. Not only did Trolls World Tour do well, it may have done better than it could have done in theater. So in three weeks, it made about $100 million in rentals. The Trolls, the original one, the Trolls domestic box office was $157 million. Now you're saying, well, that's $57 million in difference. But total, but theaters, not in three weeks. <laughs> not, yeah, not in three weeks. And theaters take about 50% of the box office money. So you cut that down to you know, a little over $75 million for the original trolls. Got it. Estimates uh, would say that universal retains about 80% of video on demand money, which I suppose with a movie like trolls world tour, if I understand it correctly, like it's a kid's mostly a kid's movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest struggles I think parents have is for with that is taking their kids to the theater. It's a hassle. Um, so I could, I guess I could understand why, especially a movie like that probably would do pretty well, but now during a time where people were probably looking for something for their kids to do. Exactly. Now I'm going to ask what I think is probably the obvious question. And a lot of what we're going to talk about today, I bet the movie theaters weren't real happy about that. No. And that's really the important part about that is it's going to be weird that trolls world tour might end up being a very important movie, not for (laughs) its content, but for what it might be doing to change how we view new movies so i got a lot of this information from a variety article from april 28th okay just wanted to source that throw that out there so nbc universal ceo jeff shell 
He promises now to open titles on premium and in theaters at the same time. So going forward, Universal was like, well, this worked out. I mean, we can just get more people to come in and we make just about as much money. So they're going to put them right on video on demand while also putting them in theaters. So that's the first major change there. Shell also told the Wall Street Journal, the results for Trolls World Tour have exceeded our expectations and demonstrated the viability of pay for video on demand. As soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats. So that's the actual quote there. Mm -hmm. Prior to the pandemic, studios typically waited 90 days after a theatrical opening to release films digitally. So that's what I was talking about when you could rent movies right now on like Amazon Prime or something like that. That's usually 90 days after it goes into theaters. So that's almost three months that a theater gets first dibs at a movie on the old method. Right, which you can't imagine for almost any movie. I mean, maybe a huge blockbuster, a movie would keep it in circulation for three months, but like only the biggest, maybe the biggest movie of the year, and only then maybe not even for that amount. So, so that seems like, yeah, that has always been an equitable arrangement for both, but not yeah, anymore. I, I, I don't know what the average movie length stay in theaters is, but probably more like five to six weeks. Right. For your average movie. So, so okay. So, yeah. So, Universal says, hey, we're going to just do this from now on. Uh, I There's a backlash. There has to be. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, here's the big one. AMC is the biggest movie theater chain in the world. And their CEO, Adam Aaron, he sent out a letter saying, quote, it is disappointing to us, but Jeff's comments as to Universal's unilateral actions and intentions have left us with no choice. Therefore, effective immediately, AMC will no longer play any Universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East. So AMC not playing games with Universal. And it's not, you know, this isn't some small indie studio that's going to start just releasing things on demand right away. This is Universal. They make huge movies. Right. And then AMC, the biggest theater in the world, comes out and says they're not going to do it. So Trolls World Tour is starting this whole giant fight about how movies should be released going forward and what the future of theaters could be, which are already struggling. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, right now for AMC to make that kind of a threat probably doesn't hold a whole lot of weight, but, but there will be a time in the very near future where they will, will resume showing movies, presumably. I know AMC's in quite a bit of financial trouble, so I'm sure that that's part of their their move to uh, to be so drastic to say, well, if you're not going to play, we're not either. Because, yeah, they see that if they're only going to get maybe half of the business they would normally get on a movie and then they only get half of that money of the total anyways, it, it will probably wouldn't be worth it for AMC. But Universal, I think they win either way. Sure. If AMC still allows their movies in there or if they say they're not in, and Universal says, well, for the most part, it seems like this video on demand stuff will work, especially... Obviously, there's still going to be the big tentpole action spectacle type movies that you're really going to want to see. But I'm not so sure most people wouldn't enjoy rather just renting movies video on demand and watching them at home. I'm pretty sure I would. I, you know, I'm torn on that because I'm a, not a person. And Chops, I know you see a lot of like going to the theater is a thing that you engage in a lot. Yeah. I don't usually enjoy the movie theater experience, but there are some movies I feel like. I need to have seen them in a theater. And the most recent examples are the Star Wars movies and the Marvel movies. Like, yeah, eventually I'll want to watch them at home, but I feel like at least once or twice, or in my case, sometimes five times, I need to see the big screen experience and get the big sound experience. For Trolls World 2, I don't know that that's a movie that I was interested in anyway, but if I were, sure, I would go watch that on TV. 
but I think it, you know if Universal, as you said, tries to put out big action pictures and this big, you know, the biggest theater in the world isn't showing them, that's. I do think Universal does lose something, something there. Maybe not everything. I don't know. I would be disappointed. I'm just wondering if Universal loses more than AMC. I mean, who's going to be able to hold out if they if AMC really says no more Universal movies? How long can AMC hold out not releasing any AMC's giant tentpole type movies? Yeah, and, and your point's well taken. I do think in that case, uh, AMC's the one that hurts more. Universal can just move on and say, okay, and then eventually probably just end up back in AMC movie theaters, I would assume, if AMC movie theaters are still around. Sure. Well, so here, here's my question, because I've heard about this kind of conflict for years. Can you tell, like, can you fill us in a little bit about how this sort of feud between theaters and, and studios has progressed? Because I know this isn't the first time that this kind of a conflict has been in the news. So movie theaters, they obviously have like a symbiotic relationship for the most part, but the biggest advent and changing all this obviously has been streaming. So we've got all these streaming partners now, and now people are starting to make movies that go directly onto Netflix or directly onto Amazon Prime. And then you have Steven Spielberg coming out and arguing against movies that don't go into theaters, can't be up for awards. And that's been a big argument because who's to say Netflix isn't making movies as high a quality as, you know, normal studio films that end up in theaters. And that's been a big butting head right there. And it doesn't make, and I think it's really just because theaters have always been partners of the studio. So the studios have always wanted to play ball with the theaters and kind of try to push down those stream only movies. But if a big studio starts to do it like universal, obviously the dominoes start to fall. Well, and, and if I recall the, some of the conflicts before were about movie theaters being forced to carry other movies. Right. So wasn't there the con, wasn't the conflict that like one of the Marvel movies, Disney was like, well, if you want to play whatever Avengers it was, you have to agree to play these five other movies throughout the year, whether you would have taken them or not. Yeah, and there there are agreements like that. And then I know the Marvel movies also require, I think Star Wars was on this too. They also require it to be on a certain amount of screens. Yeah, that's if it. If you want that movie. So you have to put Star Wars on four screens every day while you have it or for the first however many weeks. And that becomes an issue for especially some of these smaller theaters. So then you're looking at it. Now you're looking at it from the other side, the non-AMC type theaters that only have five screens maybe in their whole thing. And they have to put Star Wars on four of them for five weeks when they're only serving a small sect of people and not very many people see it. How many times did you say? I saw it five times, but but good grief. Not I'm not the average viewer <laughs> when yeah, it comes so, to that. So the studios, it, it, it's such a weird relationship because it seems like they both try to bully each other at different times. Yeah. Because the studios will bully the theaters because they know you need us. And the theaters now, it's turning on its head where the theaters are saying, well, you need us. you got to put our movies in here. And you know what? We're not taking your movies anymore, Universal. Let's see how your profit margins look after that. And I, I'm just curious to see if it really does affect Universal that much. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when one of their bigger action-type movies ends up not at AMC theaters. Which, let's do a little research. What is the next big Universal movie that would come out if it's uh, Universal Studios? lineup this is really riveting radio i know <laughs> I, I know they have the jurassic park movies yeah that would be so that's obviously a big one the, the there's a third jurassic world coming out i i love the jurassic park movies i'm not sure how many people want to see the third jurassic world i didn't i don't think i've seen either of them in theaters 
And I've been okay with that. Sure. I guess, so here's here's kind of now a philosophical debate about theater, though. If Star Wars, to a lesser extent, Avengers, for the argument I'm about to make, Jurassic World, these movies are movies that the, the biggest, one of the biggest draws to the average person is just that they are big, flashy movies. They're, they're the typical blockbuster, right? Yeah, popcorn movies. Uh, and obviously there are folks out there that are Star Wars super fans, and there are folks that are out there that are probably Jurassic Park slash world super fans and are going to watch those movies no matter what. But, like, is that movie as good if you don't have the huge screen, big sound experience? And does that change then in the future if this kind of a feud starts going on? Does that impact the kinds of movies that are being made? If you know that that making a big, flashy uh, movie isn't going to work as well if you can't show it in the, the biggest theater in the world, do you keep making those movies? I think that's interesting because we've kind of already seen that start with TV shows. That new app, Quibi, that yeah. came out, it, it stands for Quick Bites, and they're like 10-minute long episodes, and they... I don't know where they got all their money. The side note on that, they're throwing money at all these celebrities and making all these shows. I don't know where money just gets thrown at tech companies for no reason nowadays, but (laughs) that's not really the point. The point is, yeah, they have the, and that is an, that is a phone only app. You can't even access Quibi on your desktop. So they are actually making TV shows that are meant to be watched on your phone. So yeah, I wonder if would movies start to go that way where they, they don't even, they don't even worry about different aspect ratios. They just go with the traditional one, whatever most TVs are, and they stick with that. Or they go, I mean, there are people who now are just watching movies on their phones or on their laptops. Some people don't even bother with TVs anymore. So I guess my question is, what do you think? I mean, you're the, you're the movie buff among us. Uh, like, what does this mean to you? If, if you were told, okay, from now on, there's a certain subset of movies that that you can only see in your in the comfort of your own home, but you will never you can't get the theater experience with, for instance, a Jurassic World movie or uh, I know this isn't part of the argument, but a James Bond movie or a Marvel movie. OK, you can no yeah. longer see those in theaters. What does that mean to somebody like you that like loves that experience? I'm trying to think of recent movies I've seen in theaters that weren't giant spectacle, Iron Man, Marvel, Star Wars type movies. And I a movie that comes to mind actually is knives out, which I really enjoyed. Go see it if you haven't. And we actually just watched that at home as well. We rented it and watched it again. And I watched it on TV and I don't find that the experience was any worse apart from it being a mystery whodunit. And I already knew it. So that makes it a little less exciting, but (laughs) as far as enjoying the movie, because it's a really well-made movie and it's a lot of fun. I found it just as fun with a 50 inch TV right there in front of me as it was in the theater. And I didn't have to, be uncomfortable in the theater. I could pause it if I had to go to the bathroom or get more food or snacks or anything like that. So personally, outside of the giant movies, I don't think it's that much of a detriment. Movies that I really wanted to see but didn't get a chance to go to them in theaters that I've seen recently, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, the Best Picture winner, a South Korean movie. Yeah. And one I just watched uh, this weekend, which was very strange, but not bad it just strange the lighthouse and i watched all three of those on my big tv in my living room and i don't find that that took anything away from it for my appreciation or understanding of the movie where does this how does this resolve i mean does does amc cave because they need the money from the i mean they're in bad shape is this their last 
you know, ditch effort to renegotiate on behalf of the theater industry? Is this the hill they're trying to die on? Or, or does this end with, I mean, a pretty big paradigm shift in the way we think about viewing these kinds of movies? Yeah, and I wonder if they're going to have to look AMC for a different deal to maybe take Universal back. So as I said earlier, box office, uh, the theaters take about 50% of the box office right now. Would AMC or would Universal have to go to AMC and say, hey, you can, if we're going to also release these movies on demand, those ones we release on demand, the theater cut, you get to keep 60%. Sure. Or something like that to make up for the loss of the people who are just staying at home and renting it on demand. And that's the, you brought up the kids movie part. I think that would be the, the biggest draw for this. Cause imagine if you're a family of four, how hard it is to take two kids that are, I don't know, eight and five years old out to the theaters. I can't imagine. Oh yeah. James Lauren is always talking about how hard it is to take his kids out of the house. So to throw that out there, I mean, and that's interesting too. Will there be more kids movies that just go straight to, video on demand is there really any point in releasing those movies in theaters which is something that kids movies have been doing for a long time i mean if you look a lot of children's movies are direct to video once the like the lion king one or the they would always do that for the release sequels animated sequels in theaters they used to never do that right back in when i was a kid that's when they started really rolling out all the direct to vhs sequels and for, for me as a kid, all those movies were fine. I can tell the differences now between Lion King one and a half and yeah. li- the real Lion King. But as a kid, those movies seemed like they were on the same level for me. Cause you're just, you're not as perceptible to those things. So I don't really see why you'd be releasing these movies in theaters. Um, I, I guess maybe just for the, the sake of enjoying the art, because I mean, Pixar movies are just getting so beautiful nowadays. Frozen two does look really good, but, does the child still want to see it if they just see it at home? Sure. Is the big question there. And I would say probably yes. And it's easier, like we said, for the parent, they can just, you know, and then they, then you get it for 48 hours as well. Yeah. So, so you, when your kid says again, you can immediately Yeah, I know anything about kids, they love to watch movies <laughs> over nauseam. and over, back to back to back. So then I think, though, we do return to the question, if I'm a movie studio and I am making a Jurassic World, and I know that it's going to cost me several million more dollars to make to use the practical effects puppets of dinosaurs mm-hmm. than it would to just have it be com- computer animated. But yeah. the practical effects puppet, oh, I mean, come on, looks way better when done right. Do I do that yeah, anymore? The- do I spend that money? And then does that degrade like all of the, like from now on, are studios just going to be like, well, that's a corner we can cut? I don't. I think it's it's troubling to me the idea that like that this could mean a suffering in the craftsmanship of some movies that that require it to really to really be appreciated. I, I see what you're saying, but I offer a counterpoint. Sure. That movies that maybe not are as much of a special effects wonder, but movies like the ones I mentioned that I don't think I really miss too much by seeing them at home. Yeah. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like Parasite movies that have more of an artistic factor to them and they don't they have a hard time getting in theaters and getting popular and i think if they were more video on demand you'd probably have more people seeing these movies before word of mouth got to travel for them obviously quentin tarantino his movie sold but i mean i don't think anybody saw parasite before it was part of the oscar talk yeah so i wonder if that would bring those in more for people for a general audience because if you're going what movie should i watch 
on a Friday night, I'm going out to the theaters. You might always pick Fast and the Furious or the new Marvel movie. But if you have a choice at home and they're all $20 and you're at home, you know you're going to be comfortable, you might opt for those lesser movies, those lesser production value movies. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah they're not exactly. lesser in content, but they're just less spectacular, so to speak. And because those movies don't, they're harder to get people to come to the theater for, they don't end up in theaters. That's one, another big thing I've noticed. It, comedies, strict comedies, don't end up in theaters anymore. That's they're true. almost all on the streaming site. And I think comedies are suffering a little bit. It's been a long time since the Judd Apatow movies were some of the biggest movies of the year as far as popularity goes. And now the only comedies I think you see in theaters are action comedies. And I have a problem with action comedies because they can be fun and they can be funny, but they always get really boring in the third act because they have to tie up whatever stupid action story the movie is based around. And that's not really the point of the movie. Right. So the third act is always not as funny and you don't really care about the action because that's not the point. Well, side note, what, how do you write that kind of movie? I don't. I just write a comedy. <laughs> I just, it's funny. Yep, there you go. I think action comedies are just like, why are we doing half measures of each? Let's just make funny movies again. I really like comedies, and it, and it's that's part of the fracturing of monoculture in general, but like it just seems like you don't quote comedy movies from the last five years anymore. That's true. Every quote you have from a comedy movie is from 20, 15 years ago at the earliest, pretty much. I don't know. I mean, it's like I said, I, for somebody who... who who values the the movie going experience for the things that we're talking about, like for the, the, the spectacle of it. I think this raises new and troubling questions. Yeah. And then I don't know enough about the, the bottom line for movie theaters. I wonder if this would hurt or help smaller theaters, which I enjoy more. One of my favorite theaters here in Columbus is the gateway down by Ohio state's campus. I, I actually enjoy that theater more than the AMC that's right over by Linux, which I mean, they're about a mile, a mile and a half I mean, they're, it's basically going to the same place if you're going to either theater. Right. And I like the small theaters, and I wonder, I don't know if it's going to help or hurt them if more movies are on demand. My guess would be hurt because the big guy always wins, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know how theaters would handle this at all if more studios started doing this. Well, but I think that your point is kind of a good one that, it, first of all, if the big guy isn't isn't get, getting as much draw, I think it helps the smaller and more independent theaters. But I also think the independent theater tends to draw the kind of person who is still going to go to the theater if they have the option because they enjoy the experience, like you. Um, whereas sometimes people go to, to like an AMC. I, I've joked, because I, again, I don't go to movies very often. And so it had been a few years since I was in a theater uh, that was as nice as like you know these and i say nice quote unquote i'm not sure how i feel about going to a theater where i like get a, a recliner that the feet kick out and like is plush you know pleather and now they have and, waiters coming to your seat and you can get food service while you're watching the movie and to me then that returns to the point you're making which is like i would rather just watch it at home if i want to kick my legs up and eat dinner while i watch a movie i'm just going to do that at home that's not the movie theater experience to me yeah, well, I, I mean, one of the biggest drawbacks of movie theaters is the people around you, too. Yeah. If I'm, trying, if I'm trying to enjoy a movie and the guy two seats down from me is chawing down on a steak, how am I supposed to enjoy the movie? How am I supposed to put while that's going on? I, there yeah. you go. That's a Happy Gilmore quote. There's a, there's a comedy quote from a movie that's almost older than me. I ha I ha did have to laugh when I saw Rise of Skywalker and somebody like two seats down from me got a full chicken dinner. 
<laughs> like, uh, you know, in the opening what, scene. Your chicken? Yeah, I mean, it was a full chicken dinner. I think it was like a like a quarter chicken. You know what I mean? But still, I yeah. had to laugh. Like, well, this is movie. These are movie theaters now, and that was opening weekend. Everyone's show, like elbow to elbow in the seats, and they had a chicken dinner that came in during the opening scene. Uh, everyone's seen Rise of Skywalker by now. If you haven't, then you know, don't at me. But like during this, <laughs> some people would say unnatural. And you can smell the like rub on the chicken down. <laughs> it was a very strange experience. Yeah. So I, going to movie theaters can sometimes really make a movie, but it, you, all it takes is one person, a seat down from you, whispering the whole movie yeah. to ruin it. And it, you know, some people maybe have enough gumption to get up and shush somebody, but they're not being too annoying. I usually tend to not do that. I don't mind shushing, you know, my fiance if she's talking during the movie <laughs> at home. So, that's another thing too, is I wonder how much money those studios could lose because another big factor with trolls world tour is that people are stuck in their own family units right, right now for the most part, if you're following the stay at home guidelines. So that really lended it to a lot of people renting it. But if you get to a point, I would say it's, you know, kin, especially depending on your setup, if you got like a home theater type setup or a big, whatever you might have, invite over five friends or something like that. And now you're only paying $20 for six, seven people to watch a movie. That's what I thought about when you said like family unit and like three or four kids, like that's even at $20 a pop, which is expensive for renting a movie at home. That's cheap compared to what six people would pay for movie tickets. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, movie tickets probably average about $10 now I would say. But what I didn't think about that you mentioned was that the, normally the the theaters and the studios would would split the cut 50-50. So a, a $20 ticket's all, almost worth $40. Yeah, that's or true. Or a $20 rental. I don't know. I, I would also be curious to see, and I, maybe I could run this experiment in my own life. It's I find it increasingly difficult to take friends to the movies, go to m- the movies with a group of friends, because I think it's, except for the big tentpole type ones, people are never really sure which movie they want to see. But if you go, Hey, come on over, you you bring some pizza. I'll buy the $20 movie. This is the one I'm watching tonight. Come on over. And I I wonder if that's going to, and again, that might introduce people to more movies, which I would like as an outcome of this. That's true. More people to see movies that were, we know are good after the fact, and then you end up watching it on your TV anyways. So now you're looking at a chance to get that $20 rental fee instead of the six dollar one when a movie's already been out of in and out of theaters and now it's word of mouth is catching up to it well and then and and to to piggyback on that if you don't like the theater experience but want to be able to keep up on the newest movies and like you know the best the pictures that are coming out then then yeah it's certainly more accessible to most people and uh and means that you can keep up more which for you know a lot of people is tough if you if you don't want to go to a movie theater if you don't like smelling chicken dinners during star Wars, then so to speak, you might not go and do it. Well, then you also mentioned movies lowering in production value, which I think you're right. That could be an issue because they're going to go, well, it's not going to be on the giant screen. Why do we need that? But another thing I think we could see is more movies being produced. Sure. Because they're not going to see as much of a, well, nobody's going to go see this in theaters. How can we release this? Even though we know there might be an audience, how can we fund this movie? Well, if you know that audience only has to rent it at home, I think you're going to end up with more movies getting the green light from studios if this were something that became more widespread, which, again, I'm all for. I want there to be more movies. I want there to be more 
I don't want to say art house. Like that's not what I'm talking about. But there's just movie, movies now seem like it's all action, superhero, and that's pretty much it. And then Christmas movies at Christmas time, I guess. Yeah, I mean, well, because studios know those those are the things that do well in theaters. Yeah, because as you mentioned, a lot of these sort of you know streaming services are are doing the more cerebral the more cerebral films because it's yeah it's easier to get across on a small screen the thing that comes to mind for me at at the moment is amazon's take on the lord of the rings so you know they're they're making that new lord of the rings series Mm. and how can the lord of the rings be anything but an epic scale right you have to imagine that they are putting a lot of money into the production value of something like that as far as the size of the cast, the shooting on location, like those kinds of things. So maybe that's it. maybe this will be a good test. And I know Amazon isn't a movie studio in the traditional sense, but this might be the first like epic scale project that attempts to do the, you know, bypass the movie theater, even though it is a perfect movie theater experience. And that's not and coming then- for, you know, another, another two years, I believe, but... And then maybe if they find out that that's working, uh, money is what drives most of these companies in what their decisions are to make. I would wonder if something like that, if it were a series, and then they decided, well, the finale is actually a two and a half hour long movie. That's $20 extra. Sure. I could see that. And you can, because producing a, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a history of obviously TV shows getting movies, but I think that's always been the thing is like, why would somebody take something they're getting for quote unquote free their subscription they're already paying to a cable channel or a streaming channel in today's terms why would they pay now to go see the last of it in a movie but if you then offer it it's still at home it's still in the same the way you've been watching this series the whole time but this one has a little higher production value it's longer this one is our feature length movie putting a wrap on the show that's twenty dollars think about and i think people would pay that yeah think about i mean the Game of Thrones finale, which I know a lot of people who I'm, I didn't, uh, heresy. I didn't watch a lot of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know. Boo. But imagine for a second, it was perfect. People would have paid to see just the last episode or two. They would have. Yeah. If you said, okay, HBO, we know you got, you have HBO now. We know you're, but, but guess what? Game of Thrones finale, it's a 20 bucks. People would have paid it in a heartbeat. One, because of how big that, that series had been leading up to that point. But two, for the cultural value of it. Like, it's the thing that everyone talked about when Game of Thrones was on was, you know, the recap. And then it's, yeah, then it's right there. You know, they're not trying to release it in a theater and try to get people to go out there. It's right there. And I think you're right. People would pay for it. One other thing I think would be maybe a problem with this to, you know, you got to play devil's advocate. And I think this for would sure. be an issue they'd have to overcome or figure out. Piracy. Piracy is already a problem with new release movies. Yeah. But they're almost always low quality or they're like, they've got subtitles from a different language, which like it had released in that country first or something like that. But, or, you know, the FBI shows up at your door with a, with a a bill for (laughs) $10,000. You can't download a car. Do you remember that commercial that used to be there? Yeah. Um, But obviously if you could set it up in your, in your house, I don't even know. Could you screen grab it? Like they could probably put in some measures that you couldn't just straight up screen record and figure it out that way. But if you could just set up a video camera right in front of your TV and get the lighting just right. I mean, how many people then would just download the pirated version if brand new movies are available that easily the day they come out? I mean, it's a good point. You know, I think people are are more inclined now to pay for their entertainment than I think they've ever been before. Mm hmm. 
and I, I would I'd be interested in looking into the metrics of that and like how much pirate how much piracy has gone down now that now that so many measures are in place to kind of squelch it. Yeah, and how many people don't even want to go through the trouble of dealing with torrents or right. whatever, and the possibility you know, so of viruses and technology most likely. Yeah. Whereas your your Amazon app on your Roku TV or whatever is very trusted. Yeah, yeah. You're never going to worry. <laughs> when you log on to Disney Plus, you're never worried that watching The Mandalorian is going to, like, you know, <laughs> ruin your television forever uh, or steal so, your identity. Well, there's a lot of moving parts to all of this. And there's some, the economic questions I think are some of the most interesting ones. But I think it boils down to would you rather watch a movie at home? And you sound like you're probably in that camp, except for, as we've mentioned many times, the big movie. Sure. I, yeah. Mine. My my answer would be yes. I would much rather watch most movies at home. Asterisk. I don't. I don't necessarily love going to the theater just for the average movie, and I usually don't. The movie theater popcorn is better than home popcorn. That's a fact. Well, that's true. Although I can make uh, like caramel popcorn at home and have as much of it as I want for less than twenty five dollars, right? That's true. So. Yeah. And, and the, the, I I wonder how much theaters are going to have to change their economic buildup too if this becomes a bigger deal what kind of deals are movie theaters going to offer i don't think they're going to change the the ticket prices i think that one is going to stay but maybe they're not going to be able to get away with six dollars for a soda anymore yeah i don't know if i understand correctly concessions are where movie theaters make most of their money it's kind of like gas like gas stations gas stations make all like almost no profit on gasoline where they make their money is on concessions uh, or a convenience store buys a candy bar every time they get gas, or right. hopefully every time they do. So I don't know, yeah. and I think theaters is you know that's the same model with them. They can charge you six dollars for soda that costs them three cents to make. Yeah. So I I would guess I would be surprised if they. In fact, I would think they might start charging more for that because now going to the movie theater is a luxury experience. It's no longer well if you want to see this movie you have to come to the theater. It's we are providing you a luxe experience of huge screens and big sound and buttery popcorn. And a cleaner and a waiter that brings you dinner right there. You no longer have to do dinner and a movie. You do dinner with a movie. Right. I think if movie theaters want to keep up, at least the chains, they're going to have to, they're probably going to start charging more and people will pay it. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. In this economy, who knows? Maybe not. Will they offer as more too? If they, if they increase their prices, will they... How much more will we see those recliners, those in-dinner movies, things like that? How how much more will that increase to try to fight this as well? And I don't know if I, I like I said, I'm just not really into that. I think a movie is is a separate. I can do the you know the, the little box of candy and the popcorn and the soda, but as far as like having my dinner, yeah, right in the movie theater in front of the big giant screen, that I'm not into that. Which is weird because I I'm totally cool with it at home. Well, yeah, I'm in this movie, and I'm getting takeout, or I'm making my own food, something like that, and then watching this movie I rented for twenty bucks. That I'm okay with, but I don't want to. I want my full size movie theater to be separate from my dinner table. I, I'm I'm with you. I, I think it's uh, like I said. I think probably you're right. This is going to be a sea change for the for the industry, and we're going to see a lot more of it. Uh, Mark, you know what I'm interested in? What's that, Danny? I'm interested in what our listeners have to say about this. 
because I know that there are going to be some some big opinions out there from folks who are tuning into the Nerd Association podcast. So uh, if you're out there and you are listening, first of all, thank you. We are up and coming, uh, but I appreciate uh, your love and your support. If you want to reach out to us and tell us what you think, uh, are you going to keep going to the movie theater or would you rather watch at home? You can tweet at us, uh, nerd underscore associ, that's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C on Twitter. You can email us at nerdassoch at gmail.com and uh, Nerd Association is available uh, now on about every major streaming service so go out there and find it wherever podcasts are sold so to speak Uh, so Chops thanks for enlightening us this week on what's going on with uh, the theater universe and and taking a look at what's to come thank you Daniel and uh, as always we'll be trying to post an episode about once a week so keep your eye on all those sites for podcasts so whichever one you use like Daniel said we're going to be on all the major ones from here on out. And thanks for listening. 